And welcome to another edition of the Diaz Walk Show. I'm your host, Diaz Walk. How's everybody doing today on this beautiful, sunny Monday day? Well, in Texas, in Dallas, Texas. I'm quite sure it's not sunny everywhere. Well, I hope everybody is having a delightful Monday. And I hope everyone had a beautiful Mother's Day. And on those lines, I want to say... A happy Mother's Day to my wife, Charlize Rice. Happy Mother's Day to my mother-in-law. Happy Mother's Day to my grandmother. And happy Mother's Day to the woman who gave birth to me 42 glorious years ago, Miss Beverly Pollard. I love you, Ma. I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day. And... A big shout out to my brother who bought you a plant that you absolutely adore. He finally picked out something that you actually like on his own without nobody's help. Big shout out to my big bro. And more importantly, happy Mother's Day to all the women in my family. I love you all, especially my mom and my wife and my grandmother and my mother-in-law. And my niece. <laughs> it's just so many. So I hope y'all had a good Mother's Day. I had a good Mother's Day as well. Only because I celebrated my wife and I made her a delicious dinner that she wanted. And to top it off, we had a good glass bottle of wine and we relaxed and we watched. The Last Dance documentary, chapter seven and eight. And I want to point out a few things on that documentary that we also love, that we also like, especially if you're a Michael Jordan fan or a Michael Jordan fan and a Chicago Bulls fan back in those days in the 80s and the 90s, in which I was around then. So, yes, I'm. A huge Michael Jordan fan. They like Chicago Bulls. They like the Chicago Bulls at all because I'm a Pistons fan. I love the Pistons and I'm not going to betray my team. But I do have a lot of respect for Michael Jordan. I am a fan of his and the way he changed the game, the way it's been played. If one for Michael, this won't be happening right now in the NBA. And one for Michael, the way that the guys are playing right now can show their athleticism, show off their skills. If the NBA had never adapted to what was going on, none of these guys out here right now be showcasing their skills. Michael was the first. He started this. And he deserves a tons, tons of credit on the way the game is being played now and the way these guys are being marketing. And I wish a lot of these guys would have his thought process on the way he approached the game. Because Michael dominated, wants to dominate it, always found any type of motivation, any, any type of... Uh, I'm like this, he nitpick a lot. He was petty, but that motivated him. For example, last night's documentary when BJ Armstrong came back with uh, Chicago, with the uh, Charlotte Hornets. I want to say I was back in 95 or 6. And 
No, I think it was 98. It was one of those years. I forget. <laughs> but when he came back as a member of the Charlotte Hornets, came back to Chicago and beat the Bulls in game two, did some trash talking. You know, he yelled out and he hit his fist against his chest like he was a beast. And it felt good. You know what I'm saying? You got to give him a lot of credit. It felt good because he did against his former team, the organization he'd been with for a long period of time. And he did it against one of the best, the best player, the best basketball player in the world. And, and they won. You got to understand, like, beating Chicago Bulls is like something that never happens. And you beat them on their home court. And Mike took that motivation and he took that what BJ Armstrong did and dominated him in games three, four, or five. Now, you probably look at it like, well, well, Mike just dominated another role player. Yeah, but he was motivated because BJ Armstrong came back and beat the Bulls in Chicago. He did it against Michael Jordan. He hit that shot over Michael. So Mike was motivated. And even though Mike already had that attitude where, you know, I'm going to dominate regardless. But the simple fact to see a former teammate of yours for over 10 years come back with another squad, beat you in your home court, hit the big shot, yelled and screamed in the air, trash talk while you guys was on the bench. Yeah, yeah. You'll get motivated to come back next game and win, but it's the fashion how Michael did it. He just dominated. That's what every. That's what a lot of the young people. That's what a lot of people forget that. Yeah, Mike bust 35-37, but in the fashion the way he did it. I mean, look, look what happened to him when they played the Washington uh, Bullets. Mike Smith scored thirty-seven points, and they beat Chicago. Michael Jordan found motivation in in that game with that one player did that. And let's say he also found he also felt like he needed to make up something. So he did. He said Mike Smith told him, nice game, Mike. Very nice game. What did they say? What did Michael Jordan say? What did everybody say? Mike gonna score 37 points in the first half. The second game. The same amount of points that Mike Smith scored total in the first game, Mike says he's going to have that in the first half. Michael Jordan was one point off. He had 36. And he finished the game with 45 points. That's in the fashion, the way he did it was so dominating. I mean, it was unbelievable. I, I mean, it's, it's just to, to a lot of people, that's like, oh, wow, you know, that's sweet. You know, look at Mike. I've never seen that before. I have seen that before. But the simple fact that he had to make that up and said, yeah, he said, uh, nice game, Mike. And and Mike Smith was having a great game. That was, I think that was his career game, his best game ever. That one game against Michael Jordan, he was taking it to him. Not just to Michael, but to everyone who's guarding, to, just to the Bulls in period. He had 37 points. He's one of the rare guys who had one of those type of games. 
games that every bench player, every young player, every player always dreamed of. If you're not a superstar, if you're just a role player, bench player, you dream about having one of these games, and he had one, but he had that against Michael Jordan. The only mistake he made was that that game was going to be replayed again the next night in Landover, Maryland. And Mike went for 45. And had 36 in the first half. Well, it wasn't 36 in the first quarter. It was one of those, but it... You just can't make this up. You just can't make this up how motivated this man is when it comes to the game of basketball. And then we seen the clips, and we seen the videos when Phil Jackson kicked him out of practice because Mike was being a bully. Mike was being physical. Mike was going after players. And he felt that, he felt Phil Jackson was, was protecting Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, one of those guys on the, on the team, he was short, he was small. And Mike was picking on. So, can't cross that screen. And Mike hit him. Steve Kerr hit him back. And then Mike hit him in his mouth. Or in the jaw. Whatever. The bottom line, Mike was that dude. He was that type of guy. And Phil Jackson kicked him out of practice. And Mike knew he was wrong. But Mike loved it. Because Steve Kerr stuck up for himself. Steve Kerr showed that desire that he wants to win at whatever cost. That's what Mike was looking for. That's what Mike was saying that that's what you want his team to be. Yeah, he was a ferocious leader. Yeah, he was getting in their face. Yeah, he talks bad, bad about them. Yes, he challenged them. But he praised them. He wanted them to get on that level that he was on. He wanted them to be tough. He wanted them to fight. He wants them to dominate the way he dominates. And, and I get, you know, stuff Mike do, yeah, that's border, borderline bully. And I, you can say that, yes, Mike was bullying Scott Burrell. He bullied Steve Kerr. He bullied Horace Grant. He bullied uh, Scottie Pippen earlier in, in Pippen's career. He did that to his teammates. He did that to his crew so they can get on his level. And, and as crazy as it sounds, it worked. It worked. That's unconventional because a lot of us wouldn't do it that way. But Mike did. All this really is, ladies and gentlemen, is just a lot of stuff that we get to see how, how Michael Jordan really is like as a teammate and as a man. And I'm quite sure at the end of this documentary, everybody's going to draw their own conclusion. Everyone's going to have their own opinions. And Michael knows that. I mean, you heard from former teammates on there. Hey, Mike was an a-hole. He's a jerk. He's not the type of guy that I want to be around. He's very competitive. He always bets. He's a bully. But the one thing that they all said was that his desire to win, to win at all costs, is a lot higher than anyone. 
they had ever seen or played with. And then they got to that moment when, when Mike walked away from the game for about a year and a half because he was tired, mentally, physically, mentally tired. He was worn out. He needed a break. And all these conspiracy theories talking about he left because he's about getting suspended for a season for his gambling. Not true. Not true at all. And he had to deal with the death of his father. You know, his father was his best friend. His father was there for every victory, every losses in Michael's career. Every time when Mike won a championship, his dad was right next to him. Every big time achievement, his dad was there. Anytime Mike did something wrong, his dad was there to let him know. So anytime you know you lose your father, your role model, the guy you look up to, your best friend, the man who basically dedicated his life to you so he, so you can get to that point where Mike was in life and to lose his dad in the fashion the way he did I don't you can't blame Michael for walking away from the game for, for a year and a half you can't and on top of that like I said being mentally drained physically drained from the game you know Mike didn't know if he was going to come back or not. He left the door open, but he didn't know. And that time away from the game of basketball and go down and play baseball and it show how he, when he started, he had a 13-game hitting streak, then he hit a slump. But he put in the work and the time to get better before the game, after the game, during his time, working hard. You already heard Terry Francona, who was his head coach, Excuse me, who's his manager, who is Frank Cote is now the manager of Cleveland Indians, Super, uh, World Series manager, I should say. But he said if his work at the way Mike bounced back, if Mike have what, another 1,500 at-bats, he would have found a way into Major League Baseball. He would have found his way to the main roster. That's how dedicated he was. From a guy who hasn't played baseball since he was a kid, to go into the minor leagues and get on a 13-game hitting streak, hit the wall, got into a slump, worked his way out of it, and got better. Not just hitting, but fielding. Got better at the game. And anytime you hear a manager, a professional team who said if Mike had another 1,500 at-bats, he would have found a way into MLB. That's that's, not only is that insane, but that shows you how dedicated he is to his, not only to his crab, but who he is. Everything Mike wants to do, Mike wants to win, Mike wants to succeed. And that's high level. I mean, you heard pra- praises from players, trainers about his work ethic down in minor leagues. It's the best they had ever seen. And Mike was able to finish the season hitting 202 with 51 runs batted in. Three home runs. That's that's Michael Jordan. <laughs> that's Mike. I mean, shoot, I couldn't do nothing like that. I mean, I wish I could, but I couldn't do anything like that. I couldn't be through the stuff what Mike did. 
I don't, I don't think no one can do the stuff that Mike did. We all can attempt. We all can copy it. But I guarantee you we all will not have the same outcome. I'm just a beast. And, and I think the one thing that makes Mike so good is that the way he trains, the way he dedicate himself. And I think we I think a lot of us look over that because we all see how Mike dominate in games, how he dominate and stuff in competition. But we really got to see or we really got to hear how he is dedicated to training his body, lifting weights, working on his weakness, working on his strength, getting better. I mean, we we seen it in the game. We, we seen how he works out. We seen how he performed in basketball games. But now we see how he did that on the baseball diamond. That's insane. That's really insane. I, I mean, it's not too too many of us who can go out and did what he did and not playing baseball for over twenty some odd years. And then go to the minor leagues and did what stuff he did. That's insane. Now, one of the reasons he did that because his dad wanted to play baseball. And to a lot of us, you know, that 202 bad average, 50 run, 51 runs, bad average, three home runs, we look at that as a failure. I look at that as success. And I bet you Sports Illustrated would never make that same mistake again or print the article might. It's a mega disaster. Give it up. Again, motivation. He always finds motivation into all types of negativity and he turns it around and make it to a positive and he makes it in his own way. Anytime we doubt Michael Jordan, every time we count him out, he always finds a way to win. That's that's the type of motivation where that man is in sync and into what he can do. So next week, we're going to be watching 9 and 10. That's going to be the end of the documentary. I think that's going to focus on entirely on the 98 season. I can't wait. I have enjoyed all eight chapters of this documentary. It has been a blast. I'm looking forward to 9 and 10. Just like I'm almost, almost looking forward to seeing another Mike make his anticipated return. Uh, no, I'm not talking about Michael Irvin coming back to the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm definitely not talking about Michael Jordan making another run at the NBA. No, 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 no. I'm talking about 53-year-old Mike Tyson who announced to everyone that I'm back. And I'm not talking about back as in, yeah, I'm going to do a charity fight for a few rounds for a good cause. Yes, he is doing that. No. Mike Tyson wants to get back in the ring. Now, I don't know if anyone has seen his workout video, his training videos. Um, it looks like Mike hasn't really lost a lot of speed. If you've seen his workout tapes, his workout video, just go on to ESPN.com. Uh, just go down to the boxing link, 
type in Mike Tyson and they will show you Mike Tyson training and it's very vicious and it's very scary and because of all this positive reviews getting all of this boxing positive that he's he's getting he feels good and he he feels like he's ready to get back in the ring he's going to give another shot now I'm a little indifferent about it because a part of me, you know, yeah, you know, this guy from my childhood, I see Mike, you know, when I was a kid, I remember all his fights. Yeah, I like to see Mike get, you know, maybe fight one or two matches. Yeah, I'm good with that. But there's another part of me is like, I don't want to see Mike Tyson ring anymore. And plain and simple, because he's 53 years old. And the Boxing has changed. I mean, a lot of the guys are bigger. A lot of guys are faster. And he's a heavyweight. So, I don't want to see Mike get in the ring with someone who's going to knock him out. I mean, I get it. No, Mike's look good. If you see on this training video, training tape, videos, on ESPN, on Instagram, whatever you take in your internet, yeah, he looks good. Okay, I'm not going to knock that. He looks really good. You know, the punches, the speed, the footwork. It didn't look like he lost a step. Yeah, it looks good. But it's a whole different set. Mindset once you step in the ring. You know, Mike Tyson famously said, the fight don't start until until you get punched in the mouth. I don't want to see Mike get punched in the mouth again. He lost three of his last four boxing matches where he retired. Three or four. He has a career record of 50 and 6. I'm happy with that. And I get it. You know, when you feel good, when you're training, and you're like, man, I, I think I can still do this. And your mind, you still think you can do it? But then you get in the ring, your body gonna tell you something different. Mike's a Hall of Famer. He has nothing to prove out here to nobody. He don't got nothing to prove to himself. He's already in the history books. He's already a legend. His book, when it comes to boxing, has already been written. We know what he did in the ring. We know he, we know he was a beast. We know how great he was. He's 53 years old. He don't need to get in the ring with these young guys. Because how hard Mike hits, those young guys hit harder. He's not going to pump none of these guys out. Can you imagine Mike in the ring with um, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua? Or DeAndre, I can't. I can't even see him in the ring with Louise. I can't see Mike in the boxing ring fighting some of the top heavyweights or even some even some of the lower heavyweights in the in the uh, heavyweight division class. I want to see Mike just do his charity event, win for a good cause, spar for a few rounds, and that's it. I don't want to see him in the ring. But the other part of me, like, yeah, I want to see him. I want to see him. 
I want to see him ring. I want to see him fight. I want to see him beat some of these guys. But if I got I got lean towards the other, the other side of me, like, nah, man, chill out. Mm-mm. Dude, don't do it. But he announced he's back. So welcome back. And let's see what happens. And if he gets in the ring and someone challenge him and he fights, I hope it's not on pay-per-view. But that on ESPN on the free money. Is not a box office draw anymore. Now, if, if Mike wins two or three boxing matches or four, or he fights for the title, then okay, yeah, that's different. But but speaking of box office draws, the NFL dropped the regular season schedule last Thursday, and let me tell you, they did not. Let us down because it's going to be a lot of good football games this coming season if there are some football games in which the NFL is anticipating, the fans are anticipating that we will have some NFL games. The season might not start on time, it might get pushed back, but they said all 17 games going to get played. I am looking forward to it, but this schedule release, I can't. Man, these games that we're going to be watching this season. With all the movements that happen, this is going to be tight. For example, first regular season game on national TV on Sunday at 425 on September the 13th. We got Tom Brady making his Tampa Bay Buccaneers debut against Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. Now, everybody's going to be watching that game. I know it because I will be watching. And not only that, also the return of Rob Gronkowski as well. And then, on that same day, you're going to get the Patriots going to be playing the Miami Dolphins. Tua will make his Dolphins debut. Maybe. 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 It all depends. If Tua's a starting quarterback, he would be making his Dolphins debut in Foxborough against the Patriots. And also, it would be Jared Stenham we're making his Patriots debut as a starting quarterback. Over two, we don't know yet. Because right now, Ryan Fitzpatrick is pencil in as a starter. I know Tua, they want Tua to sit out for all year to continue to recover. But we will see. We'll see. Also, we're going to see during the season the Chiefs against the Texans in Kansas City again. So we're going to get Mahomes and Watson. When I get the feeling, and maybe just me, but how am I getting the feeling that Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson is going to be the new rivalry in the NFL and ALC, just like Tom Brady versus Manny? Mahomes versus Watson. That's going to be the new rivalry that's going to be seeing down here maybe for the next 10 plus years. They, it it, it looks like it's heading that way. It's, it's building up that way. So both young quarterbacks who have great seasons flash this past season, who are both due to a big time pay raise. So that's another big matchup. Also, for the first time in a long time, I'm presuming we're going to get 
football on Christmas. A Friday afternoon game between the Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints. Saints are getting some love, I'm telling y'all. The Saints are getting a lot of love. And then on Thanksgiving, we always get out our traditional triple header, the Detroit Lions against the, I think it's the Houston Texans. We got the Washington Redskins at the Dallas Cowboys. And we also got the Baltimore Ravens against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Rivalry. Love it. Those three games should be good. Well, at least the last game we know is going to be good. The Skins are revealed a team, and the Dallas are a team that's going to contend not only for the NFC East, but also a, a true contender in the NFC. And the Lions and the Texans, that's a toss-up. And the reason I say it's a toss-up because we don't know what type of Detroit Lions team we're going to see. Also, Tampa Bay versus Carolina week two, and with Tom Brady make his Tampa Bay home debut. Also, we're going to see Joe Burrows will make his debut with the Cincinnati Bengals against the Los Angeles Chargers in week one. The Las Vegas Raiders will open their new brand new dome stadium on Monday Night Football. And on top of that, up oh, against the Saints, like I said, the Saints are getting a lot of love. And on top of that, we also, the Raiders will be on the road for they open their new stadium week one against the new look Carolina Panthers without Cam Newton, who right now who doesn't have a team or a home, and he's willing to be patient and wait. Cam won't get a team. Somebody's going to sign Cam. I know it. You know it. This matter of time. But that be the end of the show. Thank you guys for listening. Continue listening to the DS Walk Show right here on Anchor Podcast. Thank you guys. I love you. I'm out. Peace.